Welcome to Rams Up, your weekly LA Rams podcast, bi-weekly during the season. We are a proud member of the Pigskin Podcast Network. We'll cover other SoCal sports items of interest, but we're mostly about your Los Angeles Rams. I'm your host, Mark. Let's get to it. Welcome back, Ram fans. This is Rams Up, your L.A. Rams podcast, and I think I have a fun episode for you. How'd you all spend your Sunday afternoon? I'll tell you what I did. I spent about two and a half hours fuming about how my Los Angeles Rams can be losing to this 49er team. How can we outplay these guys and find ourselves down 17-7? to And I'm kind of disappointed in myself. I almost gave up on them. I was asking myself over and over again, how can this be happening? Can someone make a play? Why is every play seem to be going their way? How are they missing late hits on our quarterback? We throw a pass into the end zone that gets tipped and intercepted. We miss a field goal. We come up short on fourth and one again. We're getting destroyed by Debo, and Greg Kittle has another touchdown against us. But you know how I spent the last hour or so of that game? Watching my Los Angeles Rams make clutch play after clutch play, step up on offense and defense and special teams, and come away with perhaps the second most important win in Rams history, beating the San Francisco 49ers, their arch rival and their nemesis over the last six years, 20-17, to After trailing 17-7 in the third quarter, they come back and win it, and they're on their way to the Super Bowl. What a day. I cannot express how elated I am and how proud I am of the way these guys stepped up. The reason this is extra special for me is, now a lot of you maybe weren't around long enough to remember this, I watched the Rams lose four NFC Championship games in the 1970s. And they were kind of a forgotten team. A team that, eh, you know, they got there, they won their division, they got into the playoffs, but they could never get it done. And everybody jumped on the Steeler and Cowboy bandwagons. And then the 80s rolled around and you watch the Niners win four NFC championships and go to four Super Bowls. And suddenly the Niners have all these fans, everybody loves the Niners, who frankly really kind of sucked up until that decade. But everybody loves them now, right? Joe Montana, Jerry Rice, and the Rams are left in second place, occasionally getting into the playoffs, never quite getting it done until the greatest show on turf. So this was a really important game for me to beat the 49ers in an NFC Championship game, maybe a tectonic shift in how these two teams are viewed for the next 10 years or so. That's how big this game was, and that's how big This win was the Rams establishing themselves as a perennial power in the NFC. It sure looks possible right now. And I'm going to come right out and say it. And another reason it's extra special is, to be quite honest, 49er fans are the worst. I'm going to leave it at that. Now, what was my prediction for this game? I predicted a 30-17 Rams win. So I got the Niners score correct. Rams needed 10 more. Probably should have had 10 more, to be honest with you. 
Let's recap what I called out as my fearsome four keys to this game. Fearsome key number one, can't let them ground and pound us, especially with Debo. And we did. We really held them in check on the ground, especially on first down. Not as much success as I would like on second and third down, but we really stuffed their running game very well. Elijah Mitchell, 11 rushes for 20 yards. So check that, success. Fearsome key number two, we better improve our pass protection over the last time we played these Niners when they got to Stafford, hit him 13 times in that overtime loss. Hey, check, we did very well. Stafford had much better protection. 45 passes thrown. He was sacked twice against a ferocious San Francisco defensive line. So check that. Fearsome key number three, we better tackle better. Fearsome key number three, we better tackle better than we have in recent games against these guys. And we did. Check there. Debo had a few broken tackles, but hey, you're not going to get that guy on the ground every time. Very formidable with the ball in his hands. But overall, I think we succeeded at that. And fearsome key number four, we have to get our running game going. I'm going to call that a push. Like I said in the preview, I kind of hedged that and said, we want to run the ball a little bit. I prefer not running on first down as much as we did. We weren't very successful. Had a couple of nice runs. I'm going to call that a push. We certainly ran better than the Niners did. But I would have hoped we had a little more success than that. But we did run just enough to keep them a little honest. Go through some stats of note. I'm going to get more into Ram player stats when we get to our player props in segment three. But just a few notes. The Rams outgained the Niners 396 to 282 yards. We held them to just 50 yards on the ground. Greg Kittle, two catches. One of them for a touchdown, but still two catches. That's it. By the way, I didn't hear any body bag comments from Greg before this game. It's probably a good thing, I suppose. And as I already mentioned, Mitchell, 11 rushes for 20 yards. We're going to get into our game capture, possession by possession, the entire game. After that, we're going to come back with some extensive game notes and some commentary. And then we'll have a final segment, a quick look at the Bengal Chief game, and some final notes and thoughts on the Rams' win over the 49ers. Capture how this first half went, in a lot of ways, went pretty much how the Rams would have designed it, except for the scoreboard. Rams got the ball first, three and out. 49ers got the ball, three and out. Rams get the ball on their own 32 after exchanging the punts. Nice drive by the Rams to get all the way down to third and goal at the three. Rams second possession, they start at the 32. Cup has a 17-yard catch. Higby and OBJ both have first down catches. They get all the way down to third and goal and a tipped pass. Stafford trying to get it to Cup, and it's intercepted and ran out to the San Francisco 23. So the Rams lose out on at least three. A little bit better pass. It might have been seven. 49ers pick up two first downs but end up punting. It's downed at the Rams' three-yard line. And then the Rams give the 49ers some of their own medicine. 18 plays, 97 yards. Key play on that drive, Stafford scrambled 14 yards for a first down. And then on third and 13, Stafford hits cup for the touchdown, and the Rams are up 7 to nothing. 
San Francisco's next drive starts at the 25, and they scorch the Rams on one of those little screen passes to Debo. Seems like they get one of these every game. Debo catch and run for 44 yards, and it's 7-7. Rams' next drive, they convert on 39 to OBJ. Akers picks up a first down. Cooper Cup drops a pass, crossing the middle, but the Rams still manage to convert. And then Stafford just misses Ben Skaronic in the end zone. Pass was a little bit over his wrong shoulder, but I thought Ben could have had it. And then Matthew Gay misses the 54-yarder. That gives the Niners the ball at their own 44. This is the drive that Nick Scott had the big hit on Debo, but San Francisco does manage to kick a field goal as time runs out. And even though the Rams have played fairly well for the most part on offense and defense, they find themselves down 10-7 to thanks to a tipped interception in the end zone and that missed field goal, which really set up the 49ers for that field goal to close the half. So halftime, 49ers 10, Rams 7. Statistically, Garoppolo actually ended up with more yards than Stafford, 137 to 126. The Rams had 73 rushing yards to San Francisco's 19. Now, if you told me that, that would be the case at halftime. I figured Rams would be up a couple of touchdowns. Total yards, Rams 199 to San Francisco's 156. Let's get into the second half here. Oko had a big hit on the kickoff. San Francisco has to start at their own 18. They pick up three first downs, but a third and nine pass falls incomplete. They punt and pin the Rams back at their 11. Stafford completes two first down passes to OBJ. And Kendall Blanton picks up nine. The Rams can't convert on third and one. And then on fourth and one either on a Stafford keeper. So they turn it over to San Francisco on downs. And the Niners are once again set up in great field position at their own 42. On a third and five play, Jimmy and Brandon Ayuk pick up 13 to the Rams 39. Debo takes a short pass to the Rams 26, and on 3rd and 10, Jimmy hits Jawan Jennings to the 15. And on 2nd down, Kittle is wide open in the end zone for the TD pass, and the Niners are up 17-7. to Things are not looking good for the Rams at this point. So if they're going to answer, it better be about now, right? And they do. It's late in the 3rd quarter now. The Rams go 75 yards on 7 plays, helped along by a 15-yard taunting call. This was a drive where the Rams ran the flea flicker screen pass to Kendall Blanton for 20 yards to the San Francisco 20. Stafford hits Blanton again on the first play of the fourth quarter, and two plays later, Stafford finds Cup again. The second time they've hooked up for a touchdown, third and one play from the 11-yard line, and it's 17-14. San Francisco up three now with 13-27 left in the game. Back at their own 14, this is a weird kickoff. Matt Gay bounced it inside the 10. Couldn't tell if it was going to go out of bounds, into the end zone, or neither. So Debo picks it up, but he only gets back to the run 14. They pick up two quick first downs, but get stopped on third and two at the Rams 45. This was the play that McVay challenged, saying it was fumbled. They lose that challenge, and the Niners punt. For a moment there, it looked like they might go for it. They probably should have, but being up by three still... Apparently not feeling very bold with a three-point lead, so they punt to the Rams 15. The Rams are really finding a pretty good groove here at this point. They're helped along 
by a dropped interception and a 15-yard personal foul on a hit on OPJ. Third and 10, a screen to cup for 16 yards to the 9 or 25. They get as far as the 22 and settle for the tying field goal, a 40-yarder by Matt Gay. 6.49 left in the NFC Championship game, a tie ball game, 17-17. Niners go three and out. Rams are really starting to bring some heat onto Jimmy G, finally. Second and 15 play, Ramsey could have had the interception, but the Niners end up punting back to the Rams. Rams take over at their own 39. Rams convert a third and one to that man again, Kendall Blanton. And then on third and three from the Niners, 37. Stafford hooks up with Cup for 25 yards to the San Francisco 12. This possession takes us inside the two-minute warning. The Rams end up settling for the go-ahead field goal. 20-17, to 17, they lead now. They have scored 13 straight points. So Jimmy G and the Niners have one last chance, down by three, 20-17, with 146 left. And this is where we finally see the Jimmy G that a lot of Niner fans have complained about. First down, Von Miller brings pressure, and Greg Gaines swats the pass down. Second and 10. Good coverage, and Jimmy completes a screen pass to the left flat, but it's a three-yard loss, and the clock continues to run. He would have been better off throwing it away. And on third and 13, Aaron Donald finally gets to Jimmy. He makes a desperation flip to Hasty. It's tipped up in the air, and seventh-round draft pick Treven Howard grabs it, and the Rams have the ball up 20-17. to Three snaps out of victory formation, and the Rams have sealed a 20-17 to come-from-behind win over the San Francisco 49ers and move on to the Super Bowl, where they will face Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and the Cincinnati Bengals. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any team. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN and get 56 to 1 odds on any team. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code TPPN for 56 to 1 odds at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Share some additional notes from the Rams' 20-17 win over the San Francisco 49ers. You regular listeners know I like to identify my fearsome four big plays of the game. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to identify all of the big plays. I'm not narrowing it down to four. There's just too many. Chronologically, these are the plays that define this game. Big play number one. Probably forgotten, but, you know, Jimmy had a big play available to him on their first possession. That pass to Kittle 
wide open. He overthrows him. That could have been a big play that could have changed the complexion of this game entirely. Instead, it was three and out, but bad pass by Jimmy. They probably designed that, ran it in practice over and over, and then Jimmy overthrows Greg Kittle. Big play number two, still 0-0, Rams second drive. Stafford tries to hit Cup in the end zone. Maybe the pass was a little bit late. Maybe it wasn't quite on target. Maybe Cooper Cup should have caught it. I don't know. No judgment here, but he can't secure it. The ball pops up, and the Niners intercept in the end zone and run it out. Could have been three points. Could have been seven points. It's zero points, and the Niners have momentum. Big play number three, I'm going to call out that third and long TD pass from Stafford to Cup. Put the Rams up 7 to nothing. They don't connect there. They're kicking a field goal. Big play for the Rams. First time either team is on the scoreboard. 49ers answered with that big play number four, that catch and run by Debo. I've seen this movie before. Niners are so good at running that, and we are so bad at stopping it. It's 7-7, seven to seven, even though the Rams seem like they're getting the best of the Niners. Big play number five, another missed chance, Stafford to Ben Skowronik. Now, I watched that play, and I can't really say Ben should have had it. I guess, you know, an NFL receiver, I suppose, should catch that ball. But it wasn't perfectly thrown. It was a little bit on his opposite shoulder. Hey, he's a rookie. Got to give him a pass, I guess. But, man, that would have been the play of his life to catch a touchdown there. A missed chance. It stays 7-7. to Big play number 6. Early in the second half, it's 10-7 Niners. Rams get stopped on 4th and 1, giving the Niners great field position. This is the play McVay challenged. Probably not a good idea. Probably not a good call, in my opinion having Stafford try to sneak against that stout Niner defensive line. But we turned the ball over to the Niners in great field position, and this led to the Kittle TD to put them up 17-7. to Big play number seven on the ensuing possession. I'm going to call out that flea flicker to Kendall Blanton. It was only for 20 yards. It led to a touchdown, but there was a lot of other significant plays on that drive, but Hey, I just love that play. It's always good when your team can pull off something like that. It's got to be demoralizing when the Rams can pull off that trick play with their backup tight end. And it put the Rams in great position, leading to Cup's second TD catch. And the Rams are back in the game, 17-14. Big play number eight. The Rams stopped the Niners on third and two. Sean McVay also challenged this play, arguing that the Niners had fumbled. The play stood as called, so it was fourth and two, and the Niners came back out and acted like they were going to go for it for a moment, but they simply lined over the ball, did not snap it, and ended up punting, and that was that might have been the biggest play of the game. Should the Niners have gone for it there? I mean, at this point, they're up by three, and that's probably why they didn't. If it's a tie game or they're down, they're probably going for it. Who knows? But I was relieved when they punt it. So what does that tell you? Probably means they should have went for it if you're a Niners fan. Big play number nine was that dropped interception. The Rams are trying to drive for the tying field goal. 
a tying field goal they would eventually get, but had Tart not dropped that easy interception, this podcast might have an entirely different vibe to it. But he dropped it. It was right in his gut. And the Rams maintained possession, continued downfield, and kicked the tying field goal. Now, big play number 10. Going to do a little cop-out here. On that final Rams drive, there was a bunch of guys making clutch plays. That whole drive, signature drive that may go down in history, it didn't end in a touchdown. That kind of takes the luster off of it. But if you go back and look at that drive, man, they just kept on coming through, moving the ball downfield, and kicking the game-winning field goal. And big play number 11, my last big play of the game, that final play by Aaron Donald to force Jimmy G to make that crucial mistake. Hey, you know what? They're probably going down anyways. But that ended it for sure. At that moment, we all knew the Rams are going to the Super Bowl. Some game notes of interest as we head to the Super Bowl. I just realized how nice that sounds. Joe Burrow, Matthew Stafford, both with three career playoff wins. Kind of funny if you think about it. Burrow in his second year. Matthew Stafford has been around a while. Going to be a reunion of sorts. We're going to see Zach Taylor, the old Rams coach, now the head coach at the Bengals. Whitworth, going to see his old team. And Clay Johnston, a backup Bengal linebacker. He was a seventh-round draft pick by the Rams in 2020. I want to share something I heard from a bookie before the game, listening on the radio, one of the local sports stations. And he made this really strange argument I thought I'd share with you. He said that you should discount the Bengals' regular season win over the Chiefs because in that game, the Bengals were playing for their lives and the Chiefs were not. Okay, I get it, but I guess he was wrong. But to add to that, he went on to say, you got to pick the Niners. Forgetting that, the Niners were playing for their lives in that overtime game, and the Rams were not. Just some faulty logic. I think there was plenty of that going around in this past week. I want to talk about the Niners for a second. And I'm wondering, you know, I, I have a lot of respect for their players, their talent level. I think a lot of them don't demonstrate the level of professionalism you'd like to see in games like this, there's nothing wrong with playing hard and playing physical and playing tough. But cheap shots and cheap talk, I'm not a big fan of that. And that's one thing I've seen with the Rams for years and years. A lot of classy players that carry themselves the right way. Uh, you know, there's going to be an exception here and there. But for the most part, Rams do a pretty good job of drafting high character players. And you saw after this game, OBJ consoling Debo Samuel on the sideline, putting his arm around him. Debo's crying, distraught, understandably so. Probably thought he had the game in the bag. Rams come back and win. He's a great player. Incredible with the ball in his hands. I hate playing against him. But I want to ask you something. If the shoe had been on the other foot, would Debo have been over on the Rams sideline putting his arm around Cooper Cup or OBJ? We all know the answer to that. He would have been running up and down the sideline high-fiving fans, talking crap, and he would continue talking crap for the next two weeks about how his team owns the Rams. Shout out to OBJ 
for doing what he did. That was really good to see. I just wish some of these 49er players and 49er fans, to be honest with you, had that same amount of class. Haven't seen it. I'm sure there's a couple of nice 49er fans out there somewhere. But my observations are Ram fans are pretty chill, pretty respectful of other teams and other players and other fans. Same for the Seahawks. Seahawks fans seem to be very respectful of their opponents. It's probably a handful of teams that I could say that about, but I'm sorry, I just can't say it about the 49er fan base. Send me hate mail, please, if you're a 49er fan that stumbled across this. Player props. Hey, there's one guy we have to call out, and you know who I'm talking about. Kendall Blanton. Bryson Hopkins was inactive for this game, giving the Rams two tight ends, Tyler Higbee and Kendall Blanton. I love Tyler Higbee. He is so reliable, so underrated, extremely talented. Does the dirty work, but he's a great receiver too. Higby goes down, and you're like, oh my gosh, we got one tight end, Kendall Blanton. He did have a touchdown catch last week. We know he's got some talent, but not a lot of data points. Not a lot that we can count on when it comes to Kendall Blanton. But man, did he step up. Five catches for 57 yards. If Higby can't go for the Super Bowl, I feel a little bit better knowing we have Kendall Blanton. But hopefully Higby will be back. Continuing with player props. Hey, how about Johnny Hecker? One punt for 58 yards. Hey, he did his job. I'm pointing that out because I have been pretty ruthless in my criticism of Hecker and it's kind of kind of makes me look a little bad, actually, because I was saying they should keep Corey Bajorquez and get rid of Hecker. Corey Bajorquez had a better season by far. Hecker was pretty average. But come playoff time, Corey may have cost the Packers that game against the Niners. I'm not sure whose fault that was, but a blocked punt. Never a good thing for a punter. Packers and Corey are done. The Rams and Hecker move on. Maybe the Rams were right all along. We're going to the playoffs. We're going to the Super Bowl. We want our experienced superhero punter on board for the ride. I also want to give a shout out to Matt Gay. I don't think he's 100%. I really don't think he is. Just a gut feeling. That was a horrible 50-yard attempt. But other than that, hey, you know what? This guy has never had to make clutch kicks like this. And there he is kicking the tine and game-winning field goal, and he also has some good kickoffs. I'm not sure if that one that pinned a Debo in the corner there was by design, but we'll take it. And how about Cup and Beckham? Between them, 20 catches for 255 yards and two touchdowns, both of them coming up with first down catches over and over again. Great showing by our top two wide receivers. And I saved Matthew Stafford for second to last, actually. 31 for 45, 337 yards and two touchdowns. And as I explained to someone the other day, I was a guest on another podcast, and I said, I love Jared Goff, I really do. I think he's a very talented quarterback, but down 17-7 to this Niner team with Jared Goff, I think it would have been over. Not with Matthew Stafford. This guy's a real deal. What a move by the Rams to go out and get him. 
One last player prop. Hey, Nick Scott. Thank you. I love that hit. I'm going to call out a few guys here real quick. You know, Ben Skaronic has a future with this team. I really think he does as a special teams player and as a number three or four wide receiver. Ben, let's make that catch next time. And we are also very lucky he didn't get called for that penalty on the fair catch. That could have been very costly. I'm going to talk about the refing a little bit later on in our final segment. And I'm also going to call out, hey, Deshaun Jackson, what were you thinking? What are you doing right now? And finally, I'm going to call out Kurt Warner. Now, Kurt Warner picked Tampa Bay over the Rams. Kurt Warner picked the 49ers over the Rams. Now, hopefully Kurt is just trying to jinx the other teams by picking them. But come on, Kurt. Get on board. We wrap up this segment. One last thing on the coaches. I didn't like some of our short yardage calls, and I think we ran too much on first down. We had a lot of second and nines and second and tens there, but maybe it was the grand plan that I missed out on. I think we'll have better success against the Bengals running on first down, but against the Niners, I just didn't like it. Empty sets and play action, I think that's the way to go for the most part against this team. And I'm going to call out Kyle Shanahan. Man, fourth and two. You guys should have went for it. But thank you for punting. We're going to be back in a second with some final notes. Talk about the refing, the announcing, a little bit about that Chief Bengal game. Some other cool stuff to share with you. One last segment for you, some additional notes and commentary. As far as the refing goes, well, they missed that hit on Stafford by Fred Warner, hitting him from behind after the interception in the head. They missed that face mask on Jalen, and they missed that hit Ben Skaronic put on a 49er on the fair catch. So those are three pretty big ones they missed, though. The face mask on Jalen... Probably hard to see, but the other two? Really odd that they didn't get called. I also like to comment on the announcers every game. The pregame show, I watched a little bit of it. You know, it's generally not really that entertaining for me. But I did actually appreciate how they explained why the Rams don't quite have the following that you would expect right now in Los Angeles, and that how it will probably come around in due time, and this big win is going to help. But other than that, as far as the game itself, I didn't really listen to Joe Buck and Troy Aikman that much. I had them on mute quite a bit. Once in a while, I turned them on. From what I heard, they did an okay job. I think Aikman, I suspect he was trying very hard to not root for the 49ers. I think he has a habit of doing that, rooting for certain teams. But overall, not a bad job. But then again, I didn't really listen to much of it. So my feedback, you can take with a grain of salt. And I also wanted to talk real briefly about this fan situation, this specifically 49er fans coming down to SoFi. Number one, I don't think it's as bad as people make it out to be. The thing is, 49er fans wear all red. I think every single 49er fan there was wearing red. 
and the Ram fans are wearing blue and white, so it's really hard to tell what the proportion is, 49er to Ram fans, in my opinion, just by looking. And I'll also say, I don't think it's this big a deal. It doesn't have that much of an impact on a game, as long as the Rams are prepared for it. They weren't in that overtime game. They were this time. With this win, Matthew Stafford now has five wins against teams with 10-plus wins this year. This includes the playoffs. That's as many as he had in his entire career with the Detroit Lions. And I should have shared this already. Eric Weddle led the team in total tackles. So he's getting the job done. And did you see the emotion from Cooper Cup in this game? I have not seen that from him. He was jacked up. It's kind of fun to see. First time I've really seen that from Cooper Cup. And that video after the game, don't know if you saw that, Cooper Cup and Robert Woods having a moment. Hugging each other, discussing something, you can imagine what. It was pretty cool. Both those guys, class acts. I can only imagine what that was like. And don't forget, Cooper Cup has not played in the Super Bowl. He was injured, didn't get to play against the Patriots. This time, Robert Woods will be sitting out. Hey, and here's a thought. Did this work out exactly how the Rams won it? Let's have the Niners go to the Great North and play in 10 degrees, see if they can knock off the Packers. And then we'll meet up with you in sunny Los Angeles in our stadium where we can finally take care of some unfinished business with you guys. And that's exactly how it worked out. That AFC Championship game, Bengals 27, Chiefs 24, was that a major choke job by the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes? They're up 21-10 late in the first half. They had time to run one more play. Should we kick the field goal or should we try to score? Well, they tried to score and they were unable to. They were denied. So they go to halftime up 21-10 to at home. And then the Bengals roar back, tie it up 21-21 to thanks to an interception and a two-point conversion. And then they intercept Mahomes in overtime. Something about these Bengals, they seem to be a team of destiny, perhaps. And you may remember a while back, two or three episodes ago, I listed the matchups for the Rams that I would most like to see. Rams-Bengals came out on top. I mean, everybody wants to see the Rams-Chiefs. Everybody has wanted to see the Rams-Chiefs for a few years now. We're still not going to get it. But in that episode, I thought the Rams-Bengals would be really interesting. My initial thought is Rams should be heavily favored. Some matchups really seem to be in their favor. Early line is Rams by four, but this game could be really tight and really entertaining. This will be the first time two number four seeds have met in a Super Bowl, by the way. It'll be on NBC. The announcers will be Al Michaels, an L.A. guy, and Chris Collinsworth. Definitely be an L.A. vibe to this one. So what's our plan as far as our next episodes? We will have one the Thursday before the Super Bowl. We will have one later this week as well with some additional notes. Anything we might have missed at this one. The schedule in between this Thursday and the following Thursday, I am unsure. We may have a Monday morning drop as usual. Oh, and one final thought. I wanted to thank the 49er fans who came down from the Bay Area and injected 
thousands and thousands of dollars into the Southern California economy, Inglewood and Los Angeles especially. We really appreciate it. We'll see you next year. That's going to do it for this episode. Remember, you can reach out to us at ramsuppodcast at gmail.com. You can visit our website at laramsup.com. And please don't forget to subscribe and give us that five-star rating. We really appreciate it. And don't forget, keep the horns up, stay safe, and have fun out there. Music courtesy of bensound.com and the YouTube royalty-free music audio library, Crimson Fly by Hama Hama.